It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. I finally did it. Finally waded through the Trader Joe's line. Finally. Got some groceries, got some food in the fridge. Finally, I'm going to cook again. I had to do it. I ran out of food. Got to do it. That's the reason why the podcast is a little bit later today. Is because I was standing in line for an hour. and then I had to do all the shopping and everything like that. Glad I did it. Had to get it out of the way. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Todd Ratmasar, who was Baron Davis's agent, will join me later on to, to share some Baron Davis stories. But first, I want to get to some news about the show and what our plan is going forward. Um, this is the first week of April that we're starting. We had a, we had a show go up in April of when April started last week, but this is sort of the first full week of April, and so going forward for the rest of the month, and then probably you know a little bit longer than that, we'll see. Uh, we're gonna go we're gonna go from five days a week to three days a week, and uh, I know I said that I, I wanted to go five days a week. I said that at, you know right around mid March when all of this went down, but really there's just frankly not a whole lot to talk about, um, and and uh, just you know I, I if I'm gonna get on here, I want to be able to say something. Substantial. Last week I only did four shows, uh, and so if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that I'm doing it and it's providing some sort of value to you. That I'm that I'm saying something interesting, something new. I don't know. I just it was getting to a point where it just didn't seem like we were going to be able to keep doing five days a week. The entire Locked On Podcast Network is moving from five days to three days, uh, at least on the NBA side and, and the baseball side. So your other shows, if you're listening to those other shows, I think the NFL is going to stay at five days, at least through the draft. Um, but for us, we're going to go down to three times a week. And for this week, we're going to be reliving the 2014-15 season, the season, the first season, the season of the first Warriors championship during, during this era and we're going to do that with a bunch of interview, interviews and reliving some memories while also providing whatever current news there is throughout the week. We'll make sure to touch on that. But mostly, I'm going to be talking to people who either covered the team or, or were around the team or just have fond memories of the 2014-15 season. If you have any questions about it, feel free to hit me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Uh, if you, there's anything specific that you want to hear about or relive, um, you, can, you can find it there. You can find me there, too, and let me know. Um, and look, to decide on that season, I ran a poll over the weekend, and I want to share the results of that poll. It started Friday, and we ran it all the way through this morning, through Monday morning, to decide on what season we were going to do. We did a poll. We did a bracket, okay? That's what we did. We did a bracket. And I was, frankly, surprised by the results. And look, I know I'm not a Warriors fan. You're a Warriors fan. You're listening to this. I am not a Warriors fan. I didn't grow up in the Bay Area I have a pulse on things because I report on the team and I'm around the team, but I'm not, I don't know, I, I don't really know 
like your favorite team, like ever. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know the teams. I I was I asked the other day about why why we don't want to relive that 2016 season. You know, the 73 win season. Why not show those games? Why not show those final games on NBC? Why not re-air those games? We know what happened. Why don't you want to relive them? And I got a lot of people on Twitter responding to me. We don't want to relive it. It, it was disappointing. We don't don't want to do that. And look, I grew up a Miami Heat fan. I don't have a memory like that. Nobody has a memory like that. The 72-win Bulls won the championship. The Warriors broke their record at 73 wins. They're supposed to be the greatest team ever, and they lose in the finals. Uh, very, you know, heart-crushingly. I get it. Uh, but I don't have a pulse on the team as a fan. I have a pulse on the team as a reporter. So I ran this bracket poll style thing on Twitter. And I seeded eight different seasons. And I let you guys vote on it to determine on which season we were going to relive this year. Because as a network, where you know every show is going to relive you know one of the best seasons or favorite seasons. I could have just went best season, right? I could have easily just said, all right, what was the best season in Warriors history? You could either, you could argue the seventy three win season just because of the sheer amount of wins, or I could have said, you know, let's go with the the first year Kevin Durant was there when they were just unbelievable, won sixty bu- bunch of games. Uh, they they just cruised through the playoffs, won the championship. Maybe the Steve Kerr told me it was maybe the best team he's ever. It was it was the best Warriors team he's ever coached. Uh, so I could have easily have just went with that, but I wanted to do more. There were so many good Warriors teams. I wanted to get, I wanted to do a week on your favorite Warriors team, and so that's why I ran the bracket. And so the number one seed was that Kevin Durant year, the sixteen seventeen season when KD first arrived in Golden State. So that was the one seed, and went against the eight seed. Steph Curry emerges twenty thirteen fourteen, the year that the Warriors lost to the Clippers. In the in the playoffs, but uh, were you know that was that was Steph Curry's first year as an All Star. It was really when he sort of just landed on the scene for non Warriors fans, for people around the NBA, really understanding what he was all about. Um, and that that eight seed beat the one seed. You guys preferred that year over the first year that Kevin Durant was around. And my theory on that is because look, we're a year we're not even a year away from Kevin Durant leaving. The last year there was so dramatic and dysfunctional and just ugly and just bad vibes that I just think that a lot of Warriors fans still hold that against them and just don't think fondly of those teams. It's probably going to take a little while to remember that team fondly. And that was an amazing basketball team, right? That was when Kevin Durant was happy, okay? He didn't get unhappy until after they won the championship, weirdly enough, when he realized that that wasn't what he was chasing, when he realized that that would not bring him happiness. Nevertheless, that... 2013-14 2013-14 year, that first round and out year, beat the KD year. So the 8 seed beats the 1 seed in the next round. Um, the 2014-15 team, which was the 3 seed, the first championship team, uh, against the against Rick Barry's 1974-1975 season. So that was, I pinned both championship teams, right? That was the last one. Before the Warriors won in 14-15, the last time they won was in 74-75. Uh, 40 years went by. So I put them both against each other. It wasn't even close. The three-seeded 2014-15 team just wiped the floor with Rick Barry's 74-75 team. The next one was the We Believe team, 06-07, versus the Finals Sweep team, the the 2017-18 team that swept the Cavaliers 4-0 in the finals. We Believe took that one uh, pretty handily. And then our final uh, matchup of the first round 
of Friday's round was the Run TMC team. I, I picked the 1990-91 squad uh, versus the 73-win uh, team of 2015-16. The 73-win team advanced. So in our second round, we had the 2013-14 team, Steph Curry emerges, versus the 2014-15 team, which of course was the first championship. The 2014-15 team beats the Curry emerges year easily and moves on to the final round. Uh, and then for the next matchup of the second round, our We Believe team versus the 73-win team. And that one was not as close as I thought it would be. I thought a lot of you guys would prefer that We Believe team, to relive memories of that We Believe team. And like I said, we'll have Todd Ramasar a little bit on, on in a little bit to talk about Baron Davis and, and specifically that that first round series. But um, I don't know why that... that that we believe team didn't pull better with you guys. Maybe it was just a weird poll, small sample size. Uh, it was, you know, over the weekend. I don't know what your weekend plans are anymore. Maybe you just didn't see it. But uh, the 2015-16 team won. So the 73-win team versus that first championship team was our finals. And look, <laughs> this just sort of reinforces the fact that I don't know why we don't want to relive that 73-win season. It was an incredible season. And a bunch of people voted for that, so maybe it was just a small minority of people hitting me back on Twitter saying we don't want the seven, we don't want to relive the seventy-three one season. Maybe the rest of you agreed with me. A lot of you apparently agreed with me because you were voting for it to be one of your favorite Warriors seasons ever, despite them having lost in the finals. Still, it was a close, it was a close for it was a close final round, but the twenty fourteen fifteen year beats the seventy three win year. 52.6% of the vote versus 47.4% of the vote. So 52% of you, small margin, preferred the 14-15 season over the 73-win season. And so this year, or this week, I should say, we will be focusing on that 2014-15 season, which I am calling Splash, the very first Warriors championship. So looking forward to doing that for the rest of this week. Todd Ramasar will share some Baron Davis stories next. But first... Let me tell you about the ultimate life hack. We know it can be hard to find the time to read, but there's a new app that can help make the most of your time. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or on your web browser. It takes the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you can start using that information right away. Or it's made for lazy people like you who just don't want to read a whole book. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or you're on your lunch break or while you exercise or when you're not doing any of that stuff because you're quarantined at home. Today, 12 million people are using Blinkist and it has a massive and growing library that includes self-help, business, health, history books, and tons of bestsellers. While being sheltered in place, I have plenty of time to get through some of the books that I've been reading to read, but there's a bunch of books that I actually want to read. So I'm going to go ahead and read them. But there are a few that I have either been recommended to me or just too long. I just don't want to use it. I, I don't want to read them. So I'm going to use Blinkist to get through those. So how do you get started? Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of your new subscription. That's a limited time offer for just our audience. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. 
It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Todd, thanks for joining me. I want to ask you a little bit about Baron Davis because he was um, your client. And uh, I know that there were some interesting things that you did with him um, as far as, um, I don't know if the right word is sponsorships, but uh, I think you can you can kind of tell where I'm leading you uh, as far as mm-hmm. uh, how you were able to work with Baron Davis throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wes, I didn't know if there's anything specific uh, about that, but, you know, I, I, I often think that uh, that's a reflection of who Baron is. Like, we, you know, it's one thing to get the deal. It's another thing for to be creative with the deal or to think outside the box, but it's also the level of comfort of the client himself, right? Or in that case, with Baron, the partner. Um, and and Baron is, um, you know, has one of those personalities. And obviously, we all know his play on the court. It, it made executing those deals that much easier, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it started, you know, started with, you know, what he wanted to accomplish off the court. And then that led to uh, being able to identify brands in an organic way that reflected that, whether it be, you know, the Glasso vitamin water deal right. or uh, Li Ming in China um, or even some of the, the other uh, creative out-of-the-box deals that we were able to execute over his career. Yeah, that's kind of what I was I was kind of hinting at, the vitamin water deal specifically, because that was really that was before they, vitamin water was required by, I think, Coca-Cola, if I have that right. Um, and so getting in on the ground floor there, same thing with leaning. I mean, what is that? That was more of just Baron Davis's personality as far as I want to do something that like, I don't want to be the next, I don't want to be with Gatorade. Everybody's with Gatorade. I don't want to be with Nike. Everybody's with Nike. Yeah. So I, I think Baron was a trailblazer because, and that's why I say it starts with him and I don't want to compare him to LeBron, even though I'm going to compare him to LeBron because he was before uh, LeBron is you know, it started with him asking me to represent him. I was 22, 23 years old, mm. and I wasn't with a, a with a, a, a sports agency at the time. I had worked with R and Tellum, uh, you know, uh, Tellum and Associates SFX Sports Group for three years during my undergrad, and a year, you know, a year after I graduated until law school. But you know, by the time Baron asked me to manage him and then represent him, I was I was 22, 23 years old, Wes. So I didn't. Mm. I didn't have a ton of good experience. And, and the reason I brought in LeBron is you think about what LeBron has done with Maverick Carter and Rich Paul is in similar ways. Baron was the first to do it with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then similarly, we looked at deals that were organic, that resonated with Baron and his brand in which we could think outside the box and get not only cash, but blend a blend of cash and equity. Right. And then when you really looked at those companies and you saw the team that was assembled, uh, it was a very impressive team of executives that had a tremendous amount of experience in the beverage uh, category. And these people spent a, you know, a lot of time with Coca-Cola, you know, PepsiCo or Hanson. And it was an impressive group that uh, Bill and Darius Bykoff, the founders, put together. And if you even look at some of that management team now, some of the guys that were 
executives at the time in maybe their late 20s and early 30s, you know, those guys went on to found, you know, Body Armor, Pop Chips, um, and are, are now, if not, um, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but coming up close to billionaires on their own beyond Glasso. Right. So they, you know, I think it's, I think if anyone did a case study and maybe somebody has, uh, if you look at that team of Glasso of executives, it was just one of those special moments where Bill and Darius Bykoff identified exceptional talent. And those guys, once they were all together, uh, probably pushed each other uh, to the limits and made each other better to, to the point now you look back in hindsight and say, wow, all those guys were at that one company at the same time and look at where they're at now. Do you, in your, I mean, you mentioned it kind of starts with Baron Davis and obviously LeBron James had a big part of that. I mean, are, do you have a feeling now that maybe star players are going to be seeking those types of situations more where they are not, they're not just seeking, you know, don't, they don't want just a sponsor to cut them a check, but they're actually seeking equity in a company. Do you feel like that's something that's going to be more, uh, that, that's, that star players are going to be coming to you and agents with, as opposed to it being sort of like, you know, out of the box? Is, is this something that you think that star players are going to be chasing? Um, uh, yes. In okay. short, yes. Yeah. But I, what I think is happening, where I try, I, I try to separate myself less, is I'm as much a manager as I am an agent. Okay. Because of how I came into this business is, you know, I developed a very close and personal relationship with my clients. So I know where their interests are. And when we're, when you talk about brand building, it's really an organic process when you think about it in terms of who you're attaching the, the, the athlete talent in, in, with in terms of a brand. And when it's done right, it's organic and it's something that resonates with the client. That's why they're endorsing the product or the company or the brand or, the, or even in the community, the initiative. Mm. So for me, I, as much as I want to get the deal done for my client, it's not about chasing the check as much as chasing that opportunity that resonates with the client. And then it turns into a check because if it's done right, the check should be significantly larger because it's a partnership that's formed opposed to, you know, just, uh, just a, a celebrity or a talent doing it for a check. So, um, I think even now more so in basketball, not only are players, seeking those types of deals i'm seeing athletes being able to leverage their celebrity uh for equity because of the value their brand whether it be on social media or uh how their brand resonates with a certain demographic with millennials in which those brands just by being associated with that athlete talent are able to leverage that celebrity for uh for greater exposure i mean look for example i just saw Lamelo ball today yeah you know bought bought into his australian team we weren't seeing that years ago uh, for a player that that is this early in his playing career right you may have saw tony parker buying his team in pro a france uh but that was after he won championships right LeBron James, you know, was with McDonald's, but now we see him move away from that to Blaze Pizza, where he's an owner in Blaze Pizza and promoting mm. that. So there's an evolution going on. Part of it is just the, the trailblazers of Baron or LeBron before LaMelo, 
we're also seeing NBA athletes move into a whole different category in terms of earning potential where they're able to earn 30, 40, 50 million a year in guaranteed contracts. Right. And you take that over the course of their career, guys are moving into half a billion dollars in earnings. And that's just off their earnings. That's not even talking about their investments that they're making after they're earning that level of, uh, of compensation. So it's, you know, t- things will change with time as well as the athletes are getting more sophisticated and they're leveraging their brands and, and social media presence uh, that much more than they ever were in the past. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Can I go back to, you mentioned uh, Baron Davis sort of approached you when you were 22, 23 years old, working under Arm Pelham. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, about that story, about why uh, Baron approached you? Yeah, we were friends. Like, Baron and I have known each other since we were teenagers. Before college, we were competitors against one another. And then we were part of a number one recruiting class that was uh, led by Baron going into UCLA. And uh, that class at UCLA, I mean, we, we were ex- we, we were and are extremely close um, coming in, probably more close than a lot of, uh, you know, incoming freshmen. And so Barron knew at the time that I was working for Arn Tellum because he was then represented by Arn and Bob Myers at that firm. Mm. And um, I was there for three years. Barron had left the firm for a matter of, uh, I think, maybe eight months because he had signed with another agent. And it was during that time that he asked me to manage him. I wasn't his agent. Um, but it was then after that first year of law school, I was doing so many deals with them, with Sprite and, uh, and Reebok and, and just some other deals, re- even restructuring some of his deals that we were on a tour with Reebok in, uh, in Latin America and Baron was, you know, just pulled me aside. And he was like, you know what? You're doing so much for me now. I trust you. Like, let's do something different. I want you to represent me. And it wasn't, you know, even as I say it now, it wasn't a, okay, I want you, you're the agent, I'm the player. Or, you know, you're the agent, I'm the client. It was a partner like, Todd, let's, I know you want to be an agent. You know what path I'm on. I'm a max player. I'm an all-star. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do this partnership together and help each other out because the trust was established. And because of that trust, great things happened. And and, and that's the thing about, uh, you know, I was asked actually, I think in around 2004 or five when, when LeBron uh, 
left his first agent and went with Maverick and uh and uh initially before he he left and signed with Rich Paul you know people had asked that question about that and it's you know guys are going to do what they feel comfortable with and these are highly intelligent individuals that uh, that decided to pick their friends but no one ever talked about their friend's level of competency at the side. It was it was just so new and out of the box, and and it, and it worked out well. I, I know it worked out well for us, and from what I can see with LeBron and his team, it's working out very well for them. Um, last thing I'm going to ask you is maybe you just share one of your favorite um, Baron Davis stories from his time with the Warriors. Um, anything that you think... Warriors fans might appreciate if you were at like a dinner party with a bunch of Warriors fans and you had to tell them a story about Baron Davis what would the story be that you would tell them it's a great question Wes <laughs> it was I, I don't know if there's a stories as much as experiences because that was such a special moment in the we believe teams that I think I turned into a fan at times <laughs> you know I, I think about that 07 playoffs where you know, uh, California state records in terms of audience in an arena were being broken with every game. I, I tell you, there, that game, that Baron, uh, the Utah series where he turned the corner on Karolinko, um, like for me, I, I, I go in in a suit and um, into these games representing my clients, and it's business for me, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm cheering for my clients and their teams, so I remember I, I went into that specific game, Wes, and I was in a suit, and I'm in the stands watching the game. And I'll never forget, as um, as uh, as Baron, Baron turned the corner, I stood up in my seat because I knew what was coming. I had seen it in practice at UCLA, and I'd seen it in his career over and over again. And um, I'll never forget, like, that arena – you know, it's one thing to see somebody gasp, one individual gasp for air, like when they know something's coming. I think I held my breath. But hearing the whole arena of 20,000 people hold their breath in anticipation, and then when Baron dunked on Karolo Elenko, to hear all of that energy in that one moment explode, I tell you, at the end of that game, my shirt was drenched from sweat my shirt was out of my slacks i looked disheveled and it wasn't i didn't even realize it it was happening i just got caught up in the moment like the rest of the fans and it was it was just a special moment in oracle and everything else but baron if people don't know you know when he got traded from new orleans to golden state there was just a lot of unknown you know you know the warriors hadn't been in playoffs you know at the time mike montgomery was a coach but it was but it was Baron coming back to California, but not Southern California, it was Northern California, which in some ways are like two separate states, right? Oh, yeah. Even though it's the same state. But I could tell you this, and Baron would tell yourself, and even for me, it was a love affair with the Warriors and uh, the city of Oakland and the Bay Area it became a home away from home for Baird. And Baird will still say that. It was just so many beautiful moments in the city, both with the Warriors, like on the court and off the court. And, you know, the love affair ended when, you know, obviously old ownership 
and uh, in management, not not Chris Mullen and Pete Delisandro. Those guys were great. Those those guys were fans of Barrett. It was just a, unfortunate that it had to end prematurely um, because Barron wanted to stay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's sports in some ways. It is. Um, how many times did Baron Davis dunk on you in practice? You don't have to answer that <laughs> if you don't want to. Let me ask you. No, no, no. Wes, let me, uh, let me uh, you know, I don't know dunked on, I don't know if he ever dunked on me like one-on-one dunked on me. I don't think he ever did. But I know he blocked my shot. I don't know how many times. So that's probably just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he either dunked on everybody in practice, which uh, during our time there, we probably had 10 or 12 pros, or he blocked your shot. And I don't talk about, you know, one of those fingernail blocks or tip of his finger blocks. I'm talking about, like, what we see from Zion Williamson right. now, like a volleyball player spiking a ball against the glass yeah. or pinning it or throwing it in the stand. So I, I don't, I've lost... I've lost track of how many Full times I did that yeah. in, in high, both in high school and, uh, and in college. Um, I really appreciate the time, Todd. That was, that was a lot of really great information. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, Wes. I, I appreciate you uh, to reaching out as well. Remember, subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When we get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of any other Locked On Network podcast, including Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thanks for listening, and please stay in touch. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Fowle. Together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.